0: Research Alliance podcast where we talk with innovators who are committed to measuring what matters in Christ-centered relief and development. My name is Kristen Check, I'm the host of this podcast and co-chair of the Accord Research Alliance. Today I share with you a not-so-recent conversation I had with Nathan Maloney, uh, my co-host at the Accord Research Alliance podcast who is also Senior Director of Program Development at Living Water International. Nathan and I recorded this podcast some time ago, but because, well, life sometimes gets busy, uh, we're only just releasing it now. In the past few years, Living Water went through an exercise to develop their theory of change, and today I'm sharing our conversation with you on why your organization needs a theory of change, some resources that Nathan shared for developing one, and also some learnings that Living Water had as a result of them undertaking this process a few years ago. You might be asking yourself why this is a relevant topic amidst the crisis that we're facing during the COVID-19 pandemic. However, the American Evaluation Association recently published a blog post on why it's important to develop, represent, and use theories of change even in the current context, stating that, quote, there's nothing as practical as good theory, end quote. I've shared this resource in the show notes in case any of you are interested in reading more on that. So I hope you all are faring well in this season and that you enjoy this episode. Well, Nathan, you have been a co-host on this podcast since its inception, or uh, someone I would like to refer to as the founding father of the podcast, so (laughs) it's really great to finally have you on here as a guest, so welcome.
1: Well, thanks, Kristen. Yeah, it's great to be here. I'm looking forward to this, and uh, it is admittedly a bit strange, though, being on the other side of the mic.
0: Okay, well, I'll go easy on you. Um, So before we jump in uh, to the topic that we have for today, I was hoping you could give us maybe just a brief intro to yourself, who you are, to Living Water International, especially for those listeners who might not be really familiar with you or your organization. So just let us know a little bit how you came to Living Water and the role that you serve there.
1: Absolutely. So I will start with Living Water and then work backward to myself. So Living Water is a Christian international NGO. We currently work in 18 countries with programs focused on water access, sanitation, and hygiene. And within that we place an emphasis on church and community mobilization, which we'll be talking more about here today. Uh, But my role with the team is I lead what we call our program development team, which is focused in two areas primarily. The first is improving our program quality so we do that, uh, we have a small team, but we work closely with our regional and country offices on issues of program design, monitoring, evaluation, and learning. And then uh, the other aspect is working to increase the scale of our work uh, by pursuing and managing institutional funding, which is a growing part of our revenue portfolio. And then prior to that, I was with, a, with another Accord member Convoy of Hope in a similar role. And prior to that, coming out of grad school, I spent a couple years uh, working more in the private sector um, as an agency owner, helping consult with different nonprofits and organizations.
0: Great. Thanks for that overview. So I know we're going to talk a lot about your theory of change today. And I remember when you and I first met, when you first came to Living Water two and a half years ago, you were talking about this and working through this and you and I and a lot of our listeners know that this is a theory of change is a really crucial, important thing to have um, for, for any organization that's trying to affect change out there in the world. So I'm hoping you can start us maybe more macro level and then we'll go a little more micro. So if first off, if you could maybe tell us what is a theory of change and why do we need one?
1: Yeah, those are both great questions. Uh, Let me start uh, with first, what is a theory of change? So first of all, just to clarify, there's not an agreed upon definition of what a theory of change is. So I will give you my definition and then come back and try to answer that. Second question of why do you or why does your organization need one? I think that's a more important question But what it is, I would say it's a document, or you can think of it as a as a product that you develop that explains what your organization's desired long term change is. So what do you ultimately hope to achieve? So once that's defined, then you would clarify what are the the short term and the medium term changes or results that need to happen to contribute to this long-term change to help it come about. From there, you can think about what activities your organization does um, to produce those short and medium-term results. And so it's thinking through that, it's the the document itself, you are usually having a visual diagram that would describe that, the long-term change and the way that those short and medium-term changes can lead to that along with a narrative. And so beyond just the diagram, you need some sort of narrative to describe what the diagram is saying. So it's developing that that product, that document, but more importantly than the product is the process surrounding it. And I would say that this is another critical aspect of what a theory of change is. And that's because this process is probably more valuable than whatever document you end up with at the end, no matter, you know, how great that document actually is, but uh, and that's because it's important to have a lot of conversations with as many people inside the organization as possible, but also key stakeholders outside of it, and what you'll find, I think, a lot of times is that there might be a lot of assumptions, implicit understandings of what the organization is there to accomplish, what is its purpose, and what are you hoping to see happen in the communities or with the clients or beneficiaries that you work with. And so, uh, so it's really important to have this process, to walk through it, and just getting on the same page as an organization is incredibly valuable. So that's how I would describe what a theory of change is. Um, it's a little bit different than a logic model or a logical framework. That some of us might be more familiar with, and has been part of international development work for a long time. It can be usually a bit higher level and more global at the organization level than at a at a country or program or project level, where you usually see log frames. So that's the theory of change. Now, why do you need one? To the to the second question, Kristen, I think many organizations do need to seek this clarity on what you're ultimately hoping to achieve. And again, I think too many times this is left implicit or maybe it's it's buried in other documents or things like that, but you know, there's a the famous quote, if you don't know where you're going, any road will get you there. And I think that applies here. And so in some organizations, especially newer organizations, smaller or younger organizations when they start out, usually develop a specialty in some certain activity or approach. So living water for example as we started out um, you know as a group of people coming together figuring out how do we provide safe water in rural parts of Kenya and from there we developed a specialty in um, drilling water wells and installing water wells in rural areas throughout Africa, Latin America and which is great, um, but going through a theory of change process is an opportunity to step back and say, why are we doing these activities? What are we uh, ultimately hoping to accomplish? And then perhaps even, are there better ways to accomplish what we're hoping to, to achieve? So it's helpful to have this understanding, get everyone on the same page, and to make some implicit understandings of why we're here as an organization why we do what we do making those more explicit so that's the first one the first reason you need one the second is that for those of us who do evaluations which i know a lot of our uh, audience for this podcast is involved with that you need clearly defined outcomes you're trying to measure so maybe in many cases you might be working with a project or program that does have a log frame or a logic model Uh, which is great. But if you're looking at how do we evaluate the effectiveness of this organization overall, or this particular program that's being implemented uh, across countries, then you would need these outcomes more clearly defined. Third, I would say is that as an organization, if you're trying to develop a learning agenda, this is a very helpful framework to be working from a theory of change is filled with assumptions. You would say, if we do X, it will lead to Y. And sometimes these assumptions are well-grounded in in the literature and the research, and other times they're not. And so it can guide your research, it can guide your learning agenda as an organization. And then finally, I would say that it's simply becoming increasingly popular with institutional funders. And so if that's a part of your funding, then you're going to need one sooner than later. So that's another practical reason there.
0: Sure. Yeah, that's a great point, Nathan. Um, Well, all great points there. And I'm sure you used a lot of these whys yourself as you were developing uh, Living Waters Theory of Change. So could you give us maybe now if we want to just dip into uh, maybe like a broad overview of Living Waters Theory of Change and what some of the core ideas are behind it?
1: Okay, great. Well, hopefully we can put a link in the show notes to see the whole document, so you can follow along with that. But I'll just mention the highlights quickly here. And it was a good process for us. You know, we got to define the ultimate outcome that we're seeking, which is the increased physical, spiritual, and social well-being of uh, those we serve. And so that would be at the top of our of our diagram, our our top long term outcome. So, you know, we debated and went around on terms like flourishing or shalom or others uh, that others might use as well, but ultimately landed on increased holistic well-being to call, call that out specifically. And in terms of getting more specific about how we would contribute toward that, there were four key objectives identified. And this is where we can start to see the importance of church and community mobilization to our our work because our first objective is to see thriving churches that are effectively practicing integral mission in their communities. And this has become key for us and would would now be the building block of the rest of the objectives that I'm about to mention. So that's the first one. The second one objective is more resilient communities and we believe that when there are thriving churches there will be more resilient communities Uh, More trust in the community more collective efficacy Uh, These these elements that build these resilient communities which then leads to our third objective which is increased wash services So the actual services around water, sanitation, and hygiene, the the facilities, the infrastructure, the services. And for this, we think you need resilient communities to to accomplish the sustainable level of services that we're we're seeking. And you also need then the the thriving churches. And then on top of all of this would be improved wash practices. And this is really where it gets more tricky because this is behavior change. This is... Uh, People washing their hands or correctly storing water, these elements that sometimes can be difficult uh, to change behaviors. I know in my own life, it can be hard to change certain behaviors, certain health behaviors uh, that I do or don't have. And so all of that can then lead to the uh, increased holistic well-being. Underneath that, we build out some of the shorter term results and some of the activities that can then lead to that.
0: Yeah. Thanks, Nathan, for walking us through that. And I'm looking at your, the theory of change infographic right now that you've shared with me, and we will share this in the show notes so other folks can reference this as you're um, talking about it as well. And I really appreciate how for Living Water, the church is at the center. Um, And I'm just curious, would you say, has that always been, an aspect of your program model or maybe the the crux or core of your program model in the theory of change offered you the opportunity to articulate that or did you see going through this theory of change exercise as more of like a grounded approach to kind of bringing that to light or making maybe highlighting it a little bit more in the way you do your program
1: yeah that's uh first of all i'm glad you picked up on that but yeah, that's a little bit of a, of a tricky question, trying to understand whether or not it's uh, always been a part of our work. I guess the, the answer I would give is yes and no. I would say that from the beginning, our founders, co-founders uh, always had an implicit understanding around how we wanted to work with churches and that that should be a part of our work. And it was a part of our work in many ways. But I think it was only really within the last seven to eight years that there's been a much more intentional effort to discover and define how we wanted to partner with the global church so our first attempt at trying to articulate this came in 2013 in a church mobilization strategy and this this was all before my time but in the last several years a big part of of our work around this has been to develop a toolkit that we we call it flourish but it's about mobilizing churches and communities around wash and what led us to this point is, for years we had, you know as we're starting to try to understand how we wanted to do this, we picked up um, materials and resources and training from a, a great organization, a Tier Fund out of the UK, who has decades of experience in this. Uh, so we started using their emoji guides. But one of the challenges was, you know, part of this mobilization process is that you know you're letting the communities define and decide, what types of development projects they want to work on. And that always felt a little bit disingenuous as a WASH organization called Living Water walking through that. It was sometimes hard to negotiate that with communities when what was identified was not a uh, a water project, for instance. You know, if they're wanting to build a school, that wasn't really within our our mission or, or our expertise. And so we needed to figure out what it looks like to take this mobilization approach which we think is a great approach in the context of a WASH program. So that's what we did Finished that in 2018 and actually what's interesting is that's where our Theory of Change for the entire organization came from. So tying it back in with the Theory of Change we had been working on both Theory of Change and this Flourish Toolkit simultaneously and we're on separate tracks to be honest and we were actually having a write shop with some of our global staff to develop this toolkit. And in the process of developing a theory of change for church and community mobilization, we said, actually, this should be the, the theory of change for the organization overall. So we used what we developed there, built it out a little bit, and that's how we got to where we are today, actually.
0: Okay. that Yeah, that's interesting. And that makes a lot of sense, especially in that it seems like other organizations too and who have gone through this process, it's really tough to um, develop a theory of change in a bubble, right? Because mm-hmm. it just influences so many other things. Or you get to working on something else, whether it be like outcomes or impact measurement, and it all just really fits together. So that that's good to to see that y'all recognize that and then ran with it. Really. So that's a perfect segue actually into my next question. So Personally, I am really curious uh, about the process that you all use to develop this. Now, I know you mentioned earlier how this involves multiple stakeholders across the organization, external consultants outside the organization. I mean, you really want as many voices as possible involved in this. But I think... um, that often can be the, the biggest hurdle is really just understanding how to begin something this large and this inclusive. So I would love to hear you walk us through um, the development process that you went through for this.
1: Yeah, well, you're, you're right. You do want as many voices as possible in the process. And I would say ideally you are starting out the process like this with a very large number of people in your organization giving input, going through workshops, whatever you do uh, in your organization as you develop these types of uh, projects, but ideally you start broad, and then over time you would narrow the group of people who are speaking into the theory of change, taking into account what that broad group has talked about. And I would say that's ideal. Uh, Unfortunately, we weren't able to actually take that exact approach with Living Water because we had uh, just finished a year-long strategic planning process fairly recently when i came to the organization and was starting to ask about kickstarting a project for theory of change so we didn't want to you know take another year and do all these global workshops and and everything that could be involved with that because we had just done it for the strategic plan and you know we could pull from the strategic plan uh, some of the ideas and concepts coming out of that process as we did think about the theory of change. So we actually took uh, the opposite approach, not what I would consider the ideal approach, but it still worked, uh, to where we started with a small group and expanded out from there, starting to get more and more people giving feedback the closer we got to having a, a finished product. And either way, I think there are some principles that would apply, and whether or not you're starting small and going big or starting big and going small. The first is to, uh, as you're saying, as we're talking about, just find a way to get as many voices in the process as possible. Just the process is important. And if that's a key part of, of what you're hoping to achieve in developing a theory of change just to get everyone on the same page, then you have to do that. So that's number one. Number two is get a prototype as soon as possible and start testing it. Have something tangible that you're working from. Have a visual diagram. Have a have a write-up of this, and start sharing that. As we were developing this, for example, I was at conferences, and I would just be able to pull up this prototype on my laptop while I was talking with others, and just start getting their feedback um, from people outside of Living Water, but within the within the same sector at conferences. And I found that really helpful. So. You know, get a prototype don't worry about making it perfect and as you can't continue to refine this and develop the prototype you're gonna get closer and closer to a final product and once you reach the point to where you would say having this what we have right now is better than having nothing or what we had before I would say ship it at that point and release it to the organization and be committed to continually improving it so get a lot of voices get a prototype Third, I think you wanna plan sufficient time. So this took us about a year and a half. Most people I talk to who have done this at different organizations, uh, at a minimum it's one year, sometimes up to three years or more. So it's it's not gonna be a quick process because the, this does take time. It is not a quick process. And so plan for that, but at the same time, don't let that overwhelm you and to where you won't even get started because you, you can get started and get this rolling. and. Uh, without having to have every single step for a three year project mapped out. And then the last part of the process I'd mention is just have a have a good project plan around this, have a good project team, get the executive sponsorship you need. Ideally the the CEO would be championing this, but maybe the head of programs, whoever that whoever makes the most sense within your organization to champion it. Uh, you need that, but also someone who, Is at the project management or project lead level that is day in day out thinking about this to keep things moving forward because if this does take a couple years other things can pop up and attention can be distracted even if even if there was initial momentum around this so someone just to keep it moving forward during that time period
0: okay yeah that's helpful to know nathan i mean thanks for your transparency really and kind of sharing that there there's an ideal way to do it, but there's a reason it's called the ideal way, right? It's because a lot of times (laughs) it's not realistic or the real world just throws us more curveballs. Um, but it's, I think it's helpful, honestly, to know for everyone listening, once you see just sort of the breadth and scope of living water's theory of change that you can build or, you know, you can design something this, um, I guess, rigorous, you know, for lack of a better word, not going through the most ideal of processes in the world. Right. But we just do the best we can um, in the context that we have. So thanks for sharing that. That's probably Mm going to be really encouraging for a lot of folks. Um, So you mentioned this or touch on this briefly, just with the development and design of the theory of change Mm -hmm. uh, about experiencing just Um, maybe some like less than ideal situations or setbacks and I'm curious if you could just explore with us a little bit more if there were any challenges that you faced in developing this um, or if there's Mm -hmm. any common pitfalls that you might be able to address that maybe you didn't face but that people should just know to look out Mm -hmm. for as they're going through this process.
1: Well I think I've I've probably mentioned most of the challenges that we came across with with living water but just from reading up on this from uh, going through this once before at convoy of hope when i was there and, and talking with others from different organizations going through this process i would say there's a couple common pitfalls i just would mention the first is sometimes it's easy to get derailed by what's possible or a mindset of, oh, we don't do that, so let's not let's not talk about that. You need to keep the focus on what is the change you want to see, not worrying about how would we do that, or we can't do that because that would mean changing from this thing we always do to something new. So you wanna you wanna keep those uh, keep those thoughts in check, keep those voices in check. Um, if it's becoming too negative early on in the process second common pitfall I would say would be that uh, people get bogged down in terminology so people that have experience with developing log frames or logic models or anything programmatic we can get bogged down in is that an outcome is that an objective or is that goal or purpose you know and different groups different funders they have their their different frameworks and terminology I wouldn't worry about any of that just scrap all of that and use language like long-term change or long-term aim, something that gives a a clear understanding of when that would be happening in the process, but uh, not having to worry about some other kind of definition. So the second, I think the third thing I'd mention is is don't be too linear. So again, I think there can be baggage from uh, a lot of experience with log frames because log frames are very linear. You know, A leads to B leads to C, and sometimes that's true, sometimes that's not. So don't worry too much about uh, having to be 100% linear. Try and capture some elements of the complexity of the world in which we live and how change actually happens. But on the flip side, I, I do think there can be a pitfall where a theory of change is left too abstract, meaning... It's just too high level, or some of the connections are, are too complex to even make sense or understand. And I've seen it to where a theory of change may, is maybe uh, looks good or is conceptually interesting, but doesn't provide practical direction or guidance to staff who are working to implement the programs on a daily basis. So try and find that right balance between not being too linear and not being abstract last thing is when you're thinking of the changes you're talking about do not worry about how you're going to measure it and I know this podcast is about measuring what matters and you get to that but the key is first defining what is the change you're hoping to see specifically and then you can worry about how to measure it and we have this with our own there are some that we have as a result there's some outcomes or changes we have as results And we don't have a good quantitative measurement. No one has a good quantitative measurement uh, for that. And so we're having to rely on some qualitative indicators, which is great because we identified that that change is important. It needs to happen uh, for these other changes to happen. And now we can work toward figuring out good ways to measure that qualitatively and hopefully eventually quantitatively.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. What what you've said resonated a lot with me, especially um, the second point you mentioned, or maybe it was the first point about just, just this emphasis on what we do over what we hope to see and kind of starting big and working small from there. But I think, too, it's really important for especially us folks more involved in the research realm to keep in mind that this exercise and then validating and testing our assumptions is really risky. I mean, it's important, right? And absolutely necessary. I think we'd both agree with that, but it is so risky for organization to to go down this path and then have to Mm -hmm. come to terms with the results, especially if those results are not what you expected and change Mm -hmm. is necessary okay so you touched on just maybe some of the challenges I want to know Nathan if you've seen any benefits yet um, from going through this exercise and Mm -hmm. if so um, let us know if not that's okay but then looking to the future too, what benefits Mm -hmm. do you hope to see kind of over the long term
1: yes uh, for sure we've already seen a lot of great benefits from this and the development process itself is obviously helpful I know I've mentioned that a couple times, but uh, practically it's given us a framework now or a mental model that we can use in all of our programmatic conversations. So it's a document, it's a framework we reference back to frequently as we're talking about program design or other decisions that come up. So we use it for that. We're also uh, launching a learning and innovation agenda and we've pulled heavily from this. I was talking about that a little bit earlier, but the assumptions that we have in our theory of change can form, and it is forming, the topics and areas that we want to learn in, and also identify where we think, as an organization, we need to be innovative. So as for that, and then practically we are updating and have updated our list of indicators for all of our work. and. And we've structured it around our theory of change so we've gone through and made sure that for every result listed on our theory of change we have a at least one indicator for that again even if it's only a qualitative indicator at this point
0: mm-hmm. yeah that's great and I, I noticed just you touched on a kind of a number of things here about maybe just the breadth of influence with an organization of having a theory of change with the fact that there's feedback loops built into program design or redesign. It's setting an agenda um, for your organization with regards to learning. You're kind of now able to maybe see more clearly the gaps in the indicators that you have established right now and fleshing that out more. And I actually really appreciate your mixed methods. So, um, you know, I think there's a lot of probably spaces and some of the things that you're measuring where qualitative, um, methods are going to better serve you, I would imagine, but that's not always really easy to put together, um, the qual and quant have that all kind of mesh well. So I appreciate, you know, really the effort it's probably taking you to, to do that. Okay. So to wrap this up, Nathan, um, mm-hmm. Are there any resources aside from what you've mentioned already that we could link to in the show notes here that you could point people to who are looking to get started on this, um, or maybe looking to pick up, say, you know, a theory of change they've started. Um, but want to, want to keep moving forward with anything you can point them to.
1: Yeah. So there is a a lot of resources now and, and more and more every day on this, but there's, there's two documents that, as I went through this process with living water, uh, that I referenced quite a bit. And I just realized now they're both actually uh, coming out of the UK. But uh, one is from a group called Think NPC. It works with quite a few charities and nonprofit groups. They have a guide for how they approach it. And I found that really helpful and have shared with other organizations as well. And then Diffid has an interesting paper on this, I found, where they commissioned some research to try and understand what different organizations were doing around theory of change, how they thought of theory of change. And then ultimately they tried to define it themselves and uh, provide an overview of maybe where different organizations were at. So I found that less as a guide, but just really interesting to read. So we can put both of those in the show notes.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, great. And I think to folks being able to see the example of what you've put together will be mm-hmm. be useful also. So Great. Well, thanks so much, Nathan, for sharing this with us today. I'm super impressed with what you guys have been able to put together, but even more excited for you on what I think many, all the many doors that this is open for your organization, just to improve the work that you're doing. So well
1: done. Thanks so much. And thanks for taking the time to ask me some questions about it. I hope it's helpful maybe for a few that would be listening.
0: Yeah, you bet. So can you also tell us where people can find you online and learn more about Living Water?
1: Sure, so Living Water is at water.cc, the website there. So that's the best place to go find out more about us. For myself, I also have a personal website, nathanmaloney.com, And I occasionally post some things there, but also just have a list of some of the research projects and other projects I've worked on over the years.
0: Great. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Nathan. And we will see you again sometime on the podcast very soon.
1: Absolutely. We'll help you uh, have a great day and we'll we'll talk soon.
0: Thank you everyone for tuning in. Make sure to subscribe if you haven't already. email us at ara at to send ideas about who we should talk to next or any other suggestions you have on what you would like us to unpack on this podcast. Until next time.